Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome back to another episode of the Animals to the Max podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. Thank you so much for giving me your ears. I appreciate it. It's so awesome that you are tuning into the show. We have a awesome, awesome podcast guest today and someone that I have always wanted to talk to. I always thought, man, him and I just would probably be good friends. Have you ever like seen someone on TV and thought, you know what? I think we would really get along. And I'm so happy that this is actually what happened. My podcast guest this week is Jared Miller. Jared is a animal expert. He is a TV personality. He's an author, a conservationist. He, you guys, Jared does it all. If that name sounds familiar, you might recognize Jared from his numerous appearances on national TV shows, including the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. He also has a regular segment on the Rachel Ray Show. He has done segments on the Oprah Winfrey Show, the Today Show, Good Morning America. He hosts Animal Exploration with Jared Miller, which still can be seen around the country. Jared does it all. And I've always wanted to talk to him. And I'm so happy that we finally crossed paths, uh, you know, in the animal world, especially when you work with animals on TV and you present animals on TV it's a very, very small world. So Jared and I had a lot in common. We have worked with the same people. Matter of fact, the same person who discovered me and put me on the Tonight Show when I was 14, Steve Ridgway, is the person that put Jared on the Tonight Show. So very, very small world. I've always wanted to talk to him. And you guys, I'm going to be honest, it was so cool to just exchange stories and this is, uh, he honestly, and I know I say this for a lot of my guests, but Jared was probably one of my favorite guests. It was so cool to be able to talk to him, to kind of relate to somebody. It was amazing. I remember, and it was so funny, I actually told Jared this, I remember watching The Tonight Show with Jay Leno when I was a teenager, and I remember getting so frustrated when I would see Jared on The Tonight Show because he would be presenting animals, and I remember thinking, gosh darn it, Jared's on the show. That means that I won't be able to get on the show, and it's so funny, you'll hear in the interview, you know, I told him, I said, man, I used to be so jealous of you. And he looked at me and he said, sorry, not sorry. And we just both laughed. And that's just how this interview is. It was just such a good conversation. And for anyone who wants to pursue a career in any animal related field, this is a really, really good one with insight. And like I said, Jared has had a very wonderful, colorful career with animals. I know that you are absolutely going to love this. Now, I recorded this interview with Jared before we started doing after shows and Patreon only shows. So we will not be having a Patreon only episode after the interview with Jared, but I encourage you all the same to join the Patreon, patreon.com slash animals to the max, because there is exclusive interviews with other guests I've had on, you know, so if you're a fan of the show, I really do encourage you to check out the Patreon and I will put a link in the show notes. As always, if you want more information, make sure to follow me on my social channels on Instagram and TikTok, Twitter, Facebook. We post daily, not daily, I guess we post weekly YouTube videos. Jared and I talk about social media, which is just a complete different world. And I encourage you to follow Jared on his social channels. And once again, I will include the links in the show notes, but let's just get to it. Let's get to the interview. Please welcome to the show, animal expert and TV personality. Jared Miller. Jared, welcome to the show. Hey, Corbin. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about our chat. 
Dude, you are, I mean, first of all, let me just introduce you to the audience if they don't already know who you are. You are a zoologist, an animal expert, a TV personality, an author, a host. Do you want me to go on? Am I missing anything? No, that's okay. That's that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, no, a- Animal Lover, I, I think, is, is my most favorite title, though, because, you know, that that's something you and I, I think, have shared since we both were, like, practically out of the womb, is that I think I gravitated towards animals more than, than anything else in the world, and, and it's continued, uh, you know, decades later, so... Yeah. yeah. What a wild ride. Absolutely. And I want to get down to it. So by the way, and I, dude, I remember watching you on Leno back in the day and just, you just, I mean, just on camera, your presence is so good and the chemistry between you and the host. And I, I really looked up to you and I've always wanted to get you on the show. Cause I want to get the back history. Like how, like, where, you know, where did you grow up? Did you see yourself on TV? Like, I want to hear it all, man. You know what? You know it's pretty. Uh, it's a pretty interesting story. You know, much like yourself, Corbin. Like like I said, you know, I started out with my my ideal life is to be around animals twenty four seven, and um, this started when I was very young. And so when I was a kid, of course, you know, I had all kinds of pets, and you know, got into training dogs, and and mind you, you know, I was doing all this while trying to be a regular little kid. You know, we uh, you know we still had all the you know when I would go to school, like all I wanted to learn about was animals. I spent in, and I'm dating myself here, but I spent hours in the library literally reading every animal book, you know, I could possibly find, you know, I forced my parents who in fact weren't necessarily, I mean, they, they love animals, but they weren't necessarily like, like animal people like us. Um, but they, uh, you know, they were very nurturing with, uh, you know, every, every family vacation was going to the zoo. You know, I spent, you know, just, all my time outdoors. Um, really what was great though is, is early on, um, what really helped foster my, my love and, and eventual career with working with animals was, was really more so my grandparents. My grandparents were, um, were just really great people. My, my grandfather grew up in the city, but my grandmother grew up on a farm. So they had a nice dichotomy of, of rational, normal behavior. And then farm life, animal, nature behavior. And the, uh, so that combination was great. And so, like I said, I would just spend my entire childhood either in the woods, you know, in a pond, in a field, I'd be, you know, doing everything that, that a little kid would be doing, catching frogs and snakes and all that, which then would eventually lead me to going to the Amazon and catching like the biggest snake in the world. So, um, but, but at that time, you know, you know, again, it was just all about animals. And when you mentioned about, you know, the TV stuff, you know, and I think, you know, just like in conversations you've had with like Jack Hanna and even like, you know, guys like Steve Irwin, we all kind of just started out working with animals and, and the TV stuff just kind of happened. You know, it's like and I think what happens like yourself, Corbin, when you love what you do and you love being around in, in our case, we just are so enthusiastic about animals. You know, you put us next to a five-year-old kid or let's say Jay Leno or Oprah Winfrey, and we're going to have that same enthusiasm and same childlike wonder um, just talking about you know, the animal and the subject matter that we're excited about. Yeah. Okay. So you grew up in New York, correct? I did. Yeah. Okay. I grew up in, in Western New York. So a lot of people think that aren't familiar with, you know, when everyone thinks New York, they think Manhattan. Yes. And Manhattan, as you well know, Corbin is a very, you know, Manhattan's a, it's, its own ecosystem. Uh, but I, I, I grew up, I grew up about six hours uh, north uh, west of New York in Western New York, kind of near the Lake Erie, the Buffalo Niagara Falls area, uh, more in a suburban rural area. So I had really the best of both worlds. I mean, I, you know, we would go to the city quite a bit, but, you know, I also grew up 
in a very much of a kind of a kind of a country environment, which couldn't have suited me better. Yeah. So when you grew up, though, did you want to become a zookeeper? Like what profession were you pursuing? Oh, I, I wanted to be a zookeeper. Absolutely. My, I remember being four or five years old and my, my mom would make fun of me because I would take the uh, I would take the the pans and the uh, grates out of her stove and I would make little enclosures in the hallway. And I said, that's where eventually I'm going to have my peacock breeding center. And, you know, I'd always have like these interesting ideas, uh, always wanted to be a zoo director. Of course, you know, my heroes growing up, I would watch, um, you know, Marlon Perkins on Wild Kingdom. Uh, Marty Stauffer was also a great inspiration because he'd be out in the wild. And I, and you know, and then eventually, you know, when when Jack Hanna came onto the scene, it's like you know, these were guys that like they mixed the best the best of both worlds. Like they were able to care for animals and learn about animals and work with animals, um, wild animals on a daily basis. But then also. Um, we're able to travel the world and see them in, in their in their natural habitats. So that's what always drove me is like, you know, I love the day to day care of animals, but I also am super excited to uh, to see a lot of these interesting species uh, in there and be able to travel around the world and just get those experiences. So that all that those two main things just drove me in every decision I've made throughout my entire life. Wow. So when you were younger, though, you never thought like, oh, I want to be on TV like Jack Hanna. You know, oddly enough, no. I mean, interesting, you know, I started out with, you know, I started out, you know, cleaning dog kennels and, and mm. doing like, you know, and, and, and again, learning all this stuff. Of course, you have all these these aspirations and these dreams to, to do these things. You know, I started working with domestic animals and then and then eventually got interested in uh, wildlife rehabilitation. So I worked with uh, a couple of re local rehabilitation centers with some wildlife, um, then got into more, um, you know, much like yourself, Corbin, you know, at that time, we're talking the early 90s, um, you know, then my first animal that I took in as an unwanted pet was a prairie dog. And so I'm like 12 years old and a friend of mine had a pet prairie dog. And interestingly enough, she, uh, it bit her right through the lip and, and she had, and she had to get rid of it. And, and then my understanding is because I read about this is that prairie dogs, that's how they greet each other. They'll, they'll <laughs> click teeth. They'll, so I kind of knew that it was her fault, not the prairie dog's fault. So why should the prairie dog suffer? And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to take this prairie dog. So then around that time, um, you know, I was involved with like the local 4-H and I was, you know, with, with dog obedience and stuff. So we would often, and I was terrified to speak in public. When I was a kid, I was very shy. Oh. Obviously I just worked with, you know, I, I like being around animals, but the, uh, but I kind of, but those experiences doing like school programs as a kid and, and doing some public speaking stuff. I did it simply out of fear and and to get myself out of that fear. So I kind of translated working with dogs and stuff to then taking like the prairie dog into classrooms. Then then that turned into bringing a snake and, and a hawk. And, you know, and eventually just, you know, around that time, I just love sharing and that's what made me comfortable is I was comfortable with the animals and then it made me comfortable speaking to people. And, um, and I just, you know, that kind of took me on a career path all its own. Yeah. I always thought it, it was so much easier to present animals than be someone like a comedian. Cause like people love animals usually. So like they could hate you or, you know what I mean? Like most of the times yeah. they're just, you don't even the have to be there. Like, yeah. Right. You don't have to be there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, so that, that's kind of how, you know, I started with that. And then, of course, obviously, I always wanted to be a zoo director. So then I started working with, with different species of animals. Uh, I was very fortunate at a young age. I, you know, I met 
you know, a couple of my heroes when I was a kid. I, I first started out working with Jim Fowler from Mutual of Omaha, who was, who was Marlon Perkins' assistant. Um, uh-huh. Marlon Perkins, I missed. Uh, Marlon Perkins died on June 14th, 1986. And the reason I remember this so clearly is that we were actually going to take a family vacation to St. Louis, Missouri to go meet him. Uh-huh. And unfortunately, he died by the time I was able to get out of school for that for that year. So I missed that opportunity. But then a few years later, I was able to meet um, Jim Fowler, who Jim Fowler was the guy. This show, Wild Kingdom, was on, ran from 1962 to the mid-80s. And Jim Fowler was the, Marlon Perkins was the old guy with the mustache and the helicopter directing all the things that are going on, hosting the show. And Jim was the big guy that would jump out of the helicopter onto the back of a elk to put a radio collar on wow. him. I mean, this is what they did in the 60s and 70s. It was what, I mean, you don't see this stuff today. Crocodile Hunter was the closest stuff that you, you could see that kind of, you know, action. But what I would say is, so I met Jim Fowler, worked with him a little bit. Um, and, you know, then when it was time to go to college, I go, the only thing I wanted to do is, is study zoology. So I ended up to follow a academic career in zoology and, you know, go on. And, you know, I had aspirations of eventually going on to maybe be a professor or something like that. But then, you know, at that at that time, I kind of fell into uh, kind of the television work. So I'd worked with Jim for a little bit. And then, you know, one day I got a really interesting phone call from a guy that, you know, Jack Hanna. And I went to work for Jack. At, he hired me when I was about 16 years old. And I started helping him. Whoa. And, what? And, yeah. And then I started. And what was great is at the time. You know, I was living in, I was living, I grew up in, in Western New York near Buffalo. I was going to school up near Syracuse, New York in a little college town called Oswego. And believe it or not, this little college had a zoology program. So it was interesting. I was actually able to go and follow that, that coursework. Um, but, you know, during that time, I, you know, so I, I continued my college. Jack tried to convince me to move down to Columbus, but I'm like, you know, I'm going to finish my degree. So over the summers, I'd spend my summers and my winter break working with Jack down in Columbus at the Columbus Zoo. And it was just, it couldn't have been a better experience. So, um, yeah, so I kind of had, I got really lucky. And, and I must say that whatever, whatever passion that you follow and whatever, whether that be, you know, being an astronaut, being a accountant, being a oh, that's zoologist, a, a TV zoologist, <laughs> any of this stuff. I mean, you got to surround yourself with the best people. So yeah, hold on, and, Jared, back yeah. up. Hold on, we have to right. back. How do you go from rescuing a uh, a prairie dog right. at twelve? <laughs> To yeah. working with, you know, Jim Fowler to then having Jack Hanna call you. Like, I feel like I'm missing some important piece. Cause like, that sounds so amazing to like, literally have like you intern with Jack Hanna. That blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. Uh, well, you know, I, I will fill in those blanks. So, okay, thank so, you. so going back, so going back from having the prairie dog and, and then I developed, you know, obviously that, that kind of love for, for education and wildlife mm-hmm. education. And, um, you know, and at the time, you know, they're really there wasn't a lot of it. So especially in my area of New York, it was, you know, basically, you know, taking, going and working with animals. And, and that's where I got my first taste of, of having to do television work. Cause I go to cities, neighboring cities, whether it be Buffalo, Syracuse, Rochester, even New York city. And I'd be going on even the local affiliates just to kind of be out there and to help promote the fact that I'm doing these programs. So, so I started that at about 14, 15 years of age. I had my mom co-sign my first USDA license. Um, I, I, I remember calling the head of the New York state DEC, which is our state 
game and fish. And, and I had a long conversation with him, told him what I wanted to do. And he, and he gave me a permit over the phone to start working with, with other animals. Um, so yeah, I was very fortunate. And, uh, so then, you know, I started just, you know, taking like an unwanted alligator here, a, you know, a, this type of animal there, um, you know, and then started networking a little bit. You know, I would go to, go to AZA conferences. I'd go to, you know, animal training conferences. I just got really into it as a young age, uh, at a young age. And, um, you know, just started getting into the, the kind of the intro to the zoo business. So, so doing that, kind of led me to, you know, eventually working with uh, Jim Fowler. I remember I, I missed my, uh, and, and you know this, you, you're, you're a veteran of the Today Show. Um, you'll find this most interesting is that I actually missed my high school graduation because I needed help Jim on the Today Show that morning. That so, is so cool. Uh, man. Yeah. That is so, so awesome. I mean, yeah, I, so, uh, so cool. So I ended up going down. I remember we took like a, you know, a couple of animals that, that I had and, and we, uh, yeah, helped Jim with that segment. And, um, yeah, and that was back in 1996. So I was wow. like 17 at the time. And, um, and then around that time, um, you know, just started working in the community a little bit and, and ended up getting a call from, from Jack one day and we just hit it off. And I started working with Jack both in his television productions and, and then eventually at the zoo. And, uh, it was great. So I was, able, I had the, again, I had the best of both worlds. I was going to college, uh, studying zoology. I was working on projects. I was maintaining, you know, uh, animals, um, that actually I was able to bring to college with me, which, which was awesome. I mean, going to school for zoology is, is definitely great because you can, um, you, you can develop a, a program for other students and, and I had a place to keep animals. So going from there, um, you know, finished college, um, then, you know, worked a little bit more at the Columbus Zoo. And then that, that kind of led my direction into, um, into, you know, becoming a zoo director and, and, and moving on from there. But interestingly enough, during which time in college, that's when, you know, like, like you, we were, we were like, you have your, your I'm still a regular college kid. So yeah. what was my favorite TV show in college, any college kid on the, in the nineties, everyone loved late night with Conan O'Brien. So my dream when I was in college was like, you know what? I'm helping Jack with all this stuff. I know the ins and outs, the production of all this stuff. You know, it would be fun to be a guest on late night with Conan O'Brien. And, uh, and that eventually happened. So that was kind of like my first launch into, you know, being a, a animal expert on TV, as if you would say. Yeah. I've watched so many of those appearances on YouTube and, they're so good. I mean, the chemistry between you and Conan, it just, it was so natural. It was just, man, I just, for being so young, you did such a good job. And I'm not just blowing smoke because I don't know. And I'm sure you could agree. There are some people in this business. You're like, how are they anyway? Um, you know, doing what they're doing, but no, you did. Oh, you did such a good job. You know, you know, I think the fun, the fun thing about it is that that was so genuine and so uh, and so much fun. Like, you know, you watch Jack Hanna uh, on Letterman yep. and saw that that chemistry that that you had. And they, and they genuinely, you know, this stuff isn't a shtick. These are real relationships on TV. And, and you know, what's funny is and I think how those segments you know, especially how they um, come across to audiences, even even 10 years later. Corbin, the weird thing is, is like when we were doing this stuff in the late 90s, there wasn't YouTube. So I just thought this stuff would just disappear in the ether. So it's fun to like <laughs> see like, you know, a whole generation of 20 year olds now watching this stuff 
back when I was 20 doing it, you know, it was like, it was pretty wild. Um, but you know, but I think that the relationship with Conan was so genuine because I genuinely loved the show. I was a fan of the show. I was a fan of him. And by the first time I was able to, you know, be a guest on his show, I felt like we were friends. Like delusionally, I thought, Oh, I know Conan because I just grew up, you know, watched him for the past few years. So yeah. Yeah, and but one thing that I think a misconception people think who aren't in the business is they think, you know, landing like an appearance on these shows is easy. Like I've had people ask me, oh, how did you get on the Today Show? Did you just call them and ask them or did you? I mean, so it it takes a lot of work to land an appearance on a national show. So absolutely. You started out as a handler, you know, providing animals for Jim Fowler and then that connected you with Jack Hanna. How long did it take you to land an appearance on Conan? Because you said in college, like, oh, I want to do that. Like, did you know yes. someone or like, let's you go know, into that. You know, I think, I think that, you know, that's what it was. It was kind of like, and as you well know, when, when working with, with whether it be within the zoological industry or really the television industry, these are, these are pretty tight knit communities. I mean, these are, you know, every, there's really what three to five degree of separation between most of people in these kind of niche industries. So let, let's just, let's not make it all tell. Let's just say the zoo industry and let's just say like, let's say the talk show industry. Mm. So the talk show industry, you know, like anywhere else, you have people that bounce around from show to show and this person knows that person. And I think it was just something like that. It was like, you know, someone that I had worked with that might've worked on, you know, some show that I had met then knew this person and it literally was a matter. So I did, I was able to find um, someone by name, but, but you're absolutely right. Corey, when it, it, it isn't even that easy, it was literally like, you know, I kind of want to do this. So I kind of spliced together some stuff. And back mm. then we're talking splicing, VHS tapes. So <laughs> it's like, that's what, you know, this is what's funny about. It. So it was like, and I'm like, and at this point, I'm still, I'm still even at this point, like a little shy and like, you know, I don't know if I really want to do this. But anyway, so I like put together a little tape and we ended up sending it over um, to uh, to a, a booking producer at, uh, at late night. And it, it was just, yeah, it was just like, I, it's summer. There's not much going on. All right, let's just have them on the show. So they, they kind of threw me a bone. And so when I went on and it was, this is August, probably, I think 98 or 99, wow. the, um, I just went over the summer and then, you know, it, it just, like the stars align the segment was fun. You know, the animals were great. You know, Conan liked it. And I just remember like, and I think, and you've told this to me before too, like when you, when you, after doing something like this for the first time, like it, you don't even remember what's going on. Like I almost go on autopilot cause I'm just in the moment. I'm just mm -hmm. like, I'm worried about the animals. I'm worried about this. I'm worried, you know, I'm worried about, you know, just, you know, having the host have fun. And, and, and really I feel that's kind of was my job. And I think that was like Jack's job and Jim Fowler's job when he was on Johnny Carson and all that stuff is like, you know, it's not your show, it's their show. So like you, you are, you know, you're, you just need to be yourself. They're the funny ones. But then what's interesting is that funny stuff ends up kind of happening. I mean, mm. it's, you know, they're animals. It's live TV. It's it's an audience. It's, you know, you're dealing with some of those brilliant comedic minds around. And uh, so with Conan, it was like, I remember specifically, like, when we got the, the segment done, and, and I was nervous. I was just nervous. I was oh. terrified, whatever. And it was, but the animals made me comfortable. So it was like, mm. it, that, it's an odd thing to say is that, you know, you're on TV and I'm nervous from doing that. But then, um, 
I remember we had this pretty good sized bear cub that, you know, wow. that, that, that we were, it wasn't mine. It was a, a handler had brought it and yeah. I was, I was handling him. And I just remember being so comforted by this bear cub and this bear cub could literally bite my thumb off, but, but I was more afraid of, of Conan in the audience than I was of this bear cub. You know, that's, you know, just cause I always grew up with that kind of trust in, in respect for, for animals. So, but, but I remember at the end of that segment, Conan like turned to his producer and I caught it with the core of my eye and he kind of gave him a thumbs up. So I just knew oh. that Conan approved of it. And then, you know, and you've experienced this too. It's like, it just went to, um, and then it became like a monthly thing. So I was wow. able to spend my, my college years, like it was so crazy. I was going to college and up, you know, near Syracuse, which is about a four and a half, five hour drive from, from Manhattan. Uh, I would literally go do the show and be back to watch it with my friends back in the dorm. That is was, so cool, man. Yeah. So, so a lot of the, so it was really fun. So then being in college and being on like Conan was, was such a, was such a fun thing. Dude, were you just like the hit at the fraternity? I mean, I don't know if you were in a fraternity, but I could just imagine you at college parties. Like this guy's on Conan, like Conan yes, was a thing. You know, yes and no. Cause I never really talked about it too much. Like my group of friends did. And it was always yeah. like my friends and, and my zoology friends. So we were all like, uh, you know, but of course, you know, there was, there was some of it that there was a little bit of that fanfare but it was really always you know it was really just you know just a fun thing uh to do and what's so interesting is i just enjoyed the those experiences so much that honestly i never really even thought of them ever really airing or ever being you know what i mean it was just kind of the, it was just I just enjoyed the the act of doing it as much as, you know, it ever like if no one ever saw these things, I would have been perfectly fine. I just like the experience for myself. So, wow, that is so cool. So you're just appearing on Conan through college. And I'm assuming I was was Conan a really nice guy to work with. He was. Yeah. You know, it was great. Um, you know, and, and you know, as well as like Jay Leno has a reputation of being like the nicest guy. And Jay is, too. Yeah. But these are like what people don't realize is like. Like Conan, especially in those days, I mean, he was very, very hands-on. Like we rehearsed together. Wow. Like we, you know, he he knew every little bit. And what was interesting is, at that time, working on Light Night with Conan O'Brien, especially on a regular basis, it was great to like just see, like the people they had in the show. Like Amy Poehler was like a regular cast. You know, like wow. yeah, of course, like Andy Richter and like all these other guys. But it was it was amazing to see, and there was always like SNL activity going on, and. And so, and to see like the Zach Galifianakis is wow. getting their start at the same time, and Will Ferrell's and and all these guys, it was just such a neat environment. Because I mean, because Conan was essentially like a comic genius back then, and his oh, style man. was so unique that um, you know when you watch that stuff, like some of the stuff you see on those shows, it's like it, it, no other talk show was doing it. No, it was. We used to stay up late, and I was back in middle school, and me and my buddy would watch it. It was great. It would come on at midnight. It was just so funny. Conan just just was a genius and we love watching the show but let's talk about that floor it's studio 6b i believe because that's yes. where that's where i film late night with seth myers it's historic yeah. right i mean it's let's it's, talk it's about the same that studio yeah i yeah, mean well that, that, that's that's a that's a really neat thing and and you know it's so great to talk to you because because you you've lived it you live it and you know it where it's like it's you know, Rockefeller Center is such an exciting place. I mean, the Today oh, I Show is it. one thing, but then when you're going up in those studios, oh my god, and you're going in through the subterranean things, and then you know you're there. You know, you have you have handlers bringing like bringing animals, and and then all of a sudden Bon Jovi and his band yes. walks by, and then you go up in the freight elevators, and you know, and, and at that time I remember, you know, John Krasinski of of the oh, office. Yeah. He, 
you worked on the show. Like he actually worked on Conan O'Brien. He was a writer and and he did some production and you know so it was just like being around all these and to be now twenty years later like you know these guys are all a list celebrities and it was neat to kind of see them at their at their at their genesis. It you is, know, or, dude. It is the most exciting. I love Rockefeller Center. You never know who you're gonna run into in that floor where Seth Meyers is. I mean, it's the same floor as SNL. And I remember yes. we were there and. We had we had tiger cubs, and I think like the show director from SNL came over. She loved animals, and she's like, "Hey, do you want to come see the SNL set?" And yeah. my mouth dropped. I'm like, "What?" And she took my wife and I like to go get a photo at that famous. It's just you know at that famous you know where they start the 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 the, the monologue. Where yeah, they do the monologue. yeah, the SNL yeah. monologue. So my wife and I have a picture there. My wife is like not a huge SNL fan, so she didn't realize why I was like freaking out like a kid in a candy shop. But yeah, it, it was so neat. To I mean that floor it's just so uh, it's just yeah probably one of my one of my favorite places in television. I agree, you know I agree. It it, it is super cool. It's a you know just, and then it's fun to like you know and again I grew up watching Saturday Night Live as well and oh, and man. I think you know especially during and I watched Saturday Night Live when it wasn't really that great like you know when I was <laughs> younger it was kind of yeah. like that that those years I mean now you know it, I think it started getting really good probably in the in the uh, late nineties early two thousands and uh, but it was it was awesome so yeah I mean what what an experience yeah to uh to be there um so yeah so that that kind of like kind of rounds that up and of course you know with any of this stuff you know that led to other things and i started doing some stuff with the today show and and then eventually uh doing stuff uh with jay out in, yes. out, in out in burbank and that's an, and that's another uh common you know common ground we, we could talk about too is is uh heading out to burbank which is totally the opposite experience of, of going to rockefeller Dude, so different. Like, so I, so my journey was opposite because I started on The Tonight Show. So I had never been to New York, you know, like professionally for media. So yeah, Burbank and then Leno. And we have something in, yeah, let's talk about that. We have a connection through Leno. Yeah, absolutely. You know, what's funny is like, like, you know, it was probably about a year or two of, uh, you know, of work on the Conan stuff. And again, even at this point, I had really no long-term kind of plan to, to work in television. It was just like, it, it, you know, I was still in college and like yeah. it was literally doing Conan, going to class, going and helping Jack wow. over the summers and all that stuff. It was just like there was all this stuff going on. And then at this time, you know, maintaining, you know, overseeing all the animal stuff um, and and trying to get a degree at the same time. It was just a lot going on. Yeah. Um, but right around that time is when. Again, yeah, there was a producer at Leno, uh, Steve Ridgway. He, um, uh, I think, a tape got to him or something, or, or even to another producer. And then Steve saw it, and, and Steve ended up uh, booking me on the show. And uh, and I think it was same same with you too, right? Like, was Steve your your guy at, at Tonight Show? Dude, Steve discovered me. I'll never forget. Yeah. yeah, he he discovered me. He called, and yeah, he is. Oh my, yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve Steve started yeah. it all. <laughs> and your your experience there, so but but here's the difference. Like I was I was already like twenty something. I mean, when you first went on the Tonight Show, correct me if I'm wrong, but were you like 13, 12, I was, 13 years I was old? fourteen, and I had 14. never been trained with media. I think I did one local TV appearance right before I did the Tonight Show, and I had never right. been trained, never ever. It and was, was like, that to promote that you were going to be on the Tonight Show. Yes, kind yeah, of thing? yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had never been on like any yeah. sort of TV. I had no training whatsoever. I I knew how to present animals to audiences, but I only had maybe done like half a dozen shows. So it wasn't, or maybe more than half a dozen, but it wasn't like I had all this experience. And yeah, they were looking for teenagers with weird or unusual talents and they my mom submitted me without me knowing that you know thanks mom 
And, you know, they were like, they reached out a week later and they said, hey, you know, you're Steve did. He said, well, you're not really for this segment, but what are your thoughts about being a second guest on the show? And I'm just was like, dude, my I just was like, what? And then in a few months, dude, landed on Leno, 14 years old. And I'm just like, what am I doing here type of thing? Well, you know what's so funny is you think about it too. Is you, then you look back at like all these e true Hollywood stories and all this stuff about like Seinfeld and mm-hmm. and all these comedians that that was their aspiration. Like mm-hmm. all of these guys, like to be on the Tonight Show. A lot of these, a lot of the most well-known personalities, whether it be Eddie Murphy or Bill Murray or, mm-hmm. or Jerry Seinfeld or any of these guys. I mean, these guys went from like being comics at the comedy store in LA and everyone's goal was to be even just the comic act yeah. on the tonight. And then that that's when, you know, you made it. And for us to be kids doing this stuff, it's <sighs> like, you know, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, it was pretty I, neat stuff. It was, uh, it, it changed my life. Cause after the lights went out, just like after you said, after you were done with Conan, I just remember Jay asked me to come back. And I remember looking at the audience and I was like, man, this is what I wanted. Like I have found my calling. I don't know why it felt so comfortable doing it. It was the weirdest thing, dude. It was like, I was born to do this. Like I had never felt more, I don't know, just at home. Like honestly talking to Jay with my pet Python who I still have today, which is awesome. He's an albino Burmese Python. Python? Big Burmese Python. Big Burmese. I still have him today. Shere Khan. And it's so cool. You can look at the appearance on YouTube, but it's like, that was the first snake I ever brought on. Lynn. I'll still have him today. Saw him this morning. And, but I just never felt more at home. And that's what I've been pursuing ever since. I I loved it. I, I don't know how to explain it. I had found my calling. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I mean, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's that's exactly uh, exactly the same feeling I had. Um, but you know what's interesting, Corbett? So with so the animals that you have at home, like you you have you still have your reptiles yep. and and all of that. And um, that's what I you know that's what I think that something you and I share as well is that it's like almost like you need to see those animals every day. Yeah. And you know, it, and it kind of like makes you like kind of complete. I feel like like being able to you know to to have that whether they be your own animals or if you work at a zoo or or any like you know you just form that relationship. So I think that's kind of the underlying thing that's always driven me too is like. Whatever I do, whether, you know, because TV could go away tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I mean, this pandemic almost knocked out TV for, oh for everybody. Yeah. But, you know, I think um, or his, you know, that that landscape has changed. But I think the uh, the whole fact that that whatever I do, I, I just want to make sure I'm working with animals in some capacity on a daily basis. So Wow, man. So your TV career just really took off when you were in your 20s. When do you start? Because I know you had animal expert, um, exploration with Jared Miller. When do you land your own TV show, which you can still see it on the on the EI or the yeah 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah that's what's interesting about syndicated TV where, where, you know, this stuff kind of lives on. And, and so that all came about. So, you know, once I finished up school, I worked a little bit more in Columbus. Then I had an opportunity to move back to New York. Um, and I, I took a job, um, as a zoo director wow. in upstate New York for this, for a, a, a small zoo. Actually, it was a small old zoo, About the zoo is about, well, was built in 1986 or, uh, 19, 1896. Oh, wow. Super old. Yeah, it was like the third oldest zoo in the country. And again, like me growing up with zoos and, and emulating guys like Marlon Perkins and Jack Hanna, you know, the, the whole zoo director uh, decision. And obviously just my kind of innate uh, interest in animal husbandry and, and, you know, advancing the practice and building naturalistic enclosures. You know, I saw this opportunity in upstate New York in, in this little city called Binghamton, New York. 
Bingy Tim, are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, I've so worked have, with them. How have cool? you been there before? No, I've I've worked with them though. They're anyway. Go ahead, Bingy yeah, Tim, yeah, and so I remember I had to plug him on TV, and for the life of me, I could not pronounce Bingy Tim on yeah, TV. So, I was like Bing Hamilton, and they were like Bing Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. So this oh, little so and cool. it was called the Ross Park Zoo. And it was like this little yeah. zoo, and um, so you know, so I'm 24 years of wow. age at this time, and so we we went in, you know, went in and. Um, yeah, was, what a great experience. You know, I was there, there relatively short amount of time. I was there for a little, little under two years. Um, but I went in and it was talk about like a crash course in, in zoo management. I mean, the zoo was older, it, you know, and, and especially at that time, it was just, you know, there's so many wonderful zoos over the country and, and even some of the smaller zoos. Um, but you know, there was, there, a lot of zoos hit like a critical mass, like probably like in the seventies or eighties, even into the nineties where they had to kind of pivot a little bit. You know, they mm -hmm. went from the old school kind of zoos. Like when I was a kid, you you would see primates behind bars, you know, I mean, yeah. you'd see cages rather than naturalist enclosures. Today, zoos are, are, a lot of zoos are just masterpieces mm. for not only caring for animals, but for also, you know, exhibiting them in these just beautiful, you know, I'm, I'm a little jaded just because I spent so much time working at the Columbus Zoo, which I always feel is like the biggest and best zoo in, sure. in the, uh, in the country. But the, um, but yeah, but I had this opportunity to run this little zoo in, in Binghamton and it was great because it was a fixer upper. I mean, wow. we needed to pretty much fix everything. And, and so I'm this 24 year old kid and I've got employees that are twice my age and sometimes that went well, sometimes it didn't. Uh, and we, you know, I'm, you know, presenting stuff to the mayor and the county executive and just really just full, full force keeping this going. Plus at the same time, I was still doing Conan and I was still, and I was doing some other shows too, like Wayne Brady out in LA and, and, uh, doing some other stuff like that. And, uh, Carson Daly, uh, at the time. Um, so there was like, and in today's show, we did a couple of, of segments. So it, it's interesting that you said it was hard to pronounce Binghamton. I've had three or four talk show hosts that have not pronounced it correctly. As well. <laughs> they called it like, uh, Wayne Brady, I think, referred to it one time as the Birmingham Zoo, and, you know, <laughs> which there is things. a Birmingham so, Zoo. But, but I tried, I tried, I, you know. So I was taking this little this little zoo that we were kind of re, you know kind of revamping, <laughs> and you know, put it out there. I was like, you know, and, and, it, and it was fun. So you know, so I spent a couple of years, you know, oh, wow. working on that, and and. Um, and then for, you know, it's a family stuff. I wanted to get back to Buffalo. Um, and, and at that time, kind of leading up to that, I was in, in talks with, um, you know, doing, you know, over the course of the time, there was, a, and you've experienced this, I'm sure, where you'll, you'll get calls and requests and producers and agents. And, you know, you know, if you're on TV long enough, you're like, people will start reaching out and with ideas. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I just, I just wanted to do kind of what I wanted to do. I wanted to do a fun educational Saturday morning show. So when the opportunity came about with a company called Litton syndicator syndications, um, at the time they, um, you know, that was a great partnership. So I was able to kind of jump from doing the zoo stuff full time to then and doing TV kind of like part time to even less to then diving completely into television production. And boy, that was fun. I mean, we it was a lot of work and we ended up just, you know, traveling around, but gave me the opportunity because I'm like 20, 26, 27 years wow. old. And I'm like, all right, so someone just gave me the keys to go to every zoo I ever wanted to go to in the country and talk about and meet any animal I ever wanted to meet, and that's what we did. So so really, even that Saturday morning show is very authentic and very genuine because it's literally the cameras are just on while I'm excited about being 
this close to a Komodo dragon or being wow. like, you know, up near a, a sea lion or a whale or in with a, a sawfish at the aquarium of the Pacific and, you know, just all these interesting things. So, so that was a real, that believe it or not, even though, even the show is compared to like some others, like, you know, like the today show or some of these other big mainstream stuff that, that, that little syndicated Saturday night show was, I would feel probably the most rewarding. And we did this all like on a shoestring budget and literally just pile into cars with our camera guys and all. And we'd be just sleeping in the days, days in and going and <laughs> just traveling around. I mean, we were just in California one, one minute down the Everglades the next week, you know, back in, you know, I was able to come back to my hometown and film, film here at the Buffalo zoo and, and a couple other places. So yeah, we, we had a lot of fun. So we, we actually kind of we put together, geez, 50 episodes within, wow within a, a pretty short amount of time and then within that time you know now it just kind of it just kind of lives on i mean with the internet is one thing but with syndication i mean i mean it could pop up anywhere so yeah yeah did you ever have anyone try to change you like on tv like did you ever have producers or you know uh, production companies say hey you need to act a certain way you know, that's a that's a really good question. And you know what? Uh, yeah, the answer is that I'm sure. Oh, there was always people. I mean, mm. you've probably experienced this, too. Like, that's why I'm asking. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I'm asking here. Yeah, because that's they're trying to get you to do their vision. But but, you know, the best advice that, that I've ever gotten was was really from from Jack Hanna, like Jack mm. Hanna. He's you know, he said he because he kind of warned me of this stuff early on. He goes, listen, he goes, you know, you know, producers are only going to want what they want because they're going to want, they're going to, they have a vision they're going to want. So as long as you just do what you do, then you're on the right track, mm -hmm. you know, in, in, in sort of those words, I can't remember exactly what he said, but I remember he did give me advice specifically to that, that question that you just asked. And I think that's very important for, you know, especially, you know, with us working with animals, like, you know, we want to, we want to make sure, you know, my number one priority is, is, the animals and the messaging and even though some of these segments kind of look crazy and chaotic yeah. it was all controlled chaos i mean yeah. not, the sounds were doing what they were going to do you yeah. know so yeah. that's what's um that's what's interesting but that's good though but but to answer your question no i mean i've and i didn't find that too much like in the talk show world but definitely yeah, in doing yeah. other types of productions um we never experienced that too much with animal exploration but i've but i've worked on other other shows that oh, of course you know they you know you have directors and producers that that want you to do and some and sometimes it makes sense and sometimes it doesn't and sometimes you uh you can go along with it and sometimes you don't so i've, I've always had to make those decisions going moving moving along so yeah and i think it's best to be authentic because i feel like the audience can just they can they can feel that you know they can i just i feel like you need to be your authentic self you know and that's oh, just and that's what's going to come through the best on television absolutely and you know and that's you know and that's the other thing too is like you know and i have a lot of friends that 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 do what we do that uh -huh. you know that have, have very successful shows and work and i can always tell you know and i think the most successful ones are the ones that are authentic i mean you can't you can't deny that guys like you know jack hannah and yeah. Marlon Perkins and steve Irwin and and uh you know and, and chris martin kratt and and these yeah. guys that have these very popular long-lasting shows is that you know that's the audience feels it i mean because i always thought and and i and, and jack hannah said this in the past where he's like you know you could always tell you know real you know people that are really passionate about what they do is that if they'd be doing it anyways whether there was a camera pointed at them or not 
Mm. You know what I mean? Much like yourself. Like you work yeah. in TV, but um, you know, there's no one videotaping you feeding your albino Burmese python, but you're still doing it. Yeah. So that when you go on TV and talk about that python, it's like, yeah, it's it's genuine. You know. Yeah. You know, you're not just an actor or a host or something like that. So. Yeah. No, not at all. Um. Yeah. And w- did you ever get jealous though? Because I'm going to be point blank honest with you. When I was a teenager, I would be so jealous that you would land all these Leno appearances because I was dying to get back on. And I remember I'd email Steve and he'd be like, "Sorry, we just had Jared on," or "Sorry, oh, Jared's coming on." I'd be like, "That son of a gun!" And not that I hated you, but it was like, yeah. my God, I was like looking at this guy who was. Doing doing exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah. Were there points in your career where you felt like that with these other people who oh, had shows? You know, you know, not so, yeah, no, I agree. And by the way, sorry, not sorry. Thanks. That was like the best line, like a Demi Lovato song. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No, no, that, but no, I, I agree with you 100% because, because when I was younger, like, yeah, it was like, I, I felt the same thing because I was like, you know, how is, you know, but, but again, like, I just, I'm still shocked that like, Alan's the person that, that you were looking at. But when I was a kid, I was looking at, you know, guys like, um, I don't know. Maybe when I was coming up was was probably like Marty Stauffer and some yeah. of these other guys. But then, but then during the kind of beginning of of my career, it, you know, you'd have like the Jeff Corwins and the yeah. Steve Irwins, and then, and then all of a sudden, Animal Planet just started churning out like a million animal shows with all. And I guess at that point, I'm just like, I'm like, all right, you know, I'm doing all this stuff, and like these guys have like the because that's what I always wanted to do. So I I feel that exactly. Like mm. you know, you know, it's. I don't know if it's jealousy or if it's just like envy or just like, or just like, all right, I, I need to be, yeah, I need to be out in the wild because that's, that's where I kind of came from too, is I got to a point where, you know, I, you know, I like doing the, the television work in the, in the, in the, um, husbandry stuff, but, but, but I, I just like, I just have this drive to travel and go. Mm. And, and that's, and I think I got to a point that, you know, after being in television for a long time, it was like, you know, I just need, that's the next step for me is I need to be out in the wild, you know, doing this stuff. So. Well, where's yeah. your favorite place in the world to film? Oh, my, by far my favorite is the, um, uh, is this little city in, in South America called Iquitos and it's in, in Peru and Iquitos is a really interesting place. It was a kind of a historic, uh, it's like a, a British protectorate, um, area and it's kind of where the, the Nye river meets the Amazon and it's just this beautiful. And what I love best about it is like the people were awesome. The culture was awesome. Everything was really great, but I've never seen more biodiversity in my entire life. And one day I remember I saw an anaconda, woolly monkey, piranha, giant anteater, red capped yukari, all these animals that I had only seen in books that I saw them with my own two eyes, like in the wild tapirs, things like that. I mean, it was really, really wild. So, so that's a great place. Um, you know, but you know, I enjoyed, I enjoyed even across America, like, you know, the Florida, Florida Everglades. I mean, to have these places really in our own backyard is pretty amazing. Out where you live. I mean, I can't, I can't, I couldn't imagine living, living out in Idaho. I mean, that's so like, I mean, what an amazing thing to uh, you know to wake up to the is that um, that's the rocky mountains right right yeah you. well actually no the rocky mountains are over here i actually live amongst the owyhee mountains in the desert Hawaii mountains, yeah but okay. the snake river it's beautiful though dude i yeah. i love it and unfortunately people are finding out how great idaho is because everyone's moving here now 
you know, and, and that's kind of like what Montana was back in, yes. the, in the 90s and 2000s. But I think now Idaho is taking that that uh, that place. You're absolutely right. Um, it was interesting because I, you know, I was, I was and I moved all over, you know, kind of in the past few years and a mm-hmm. uh, few years. I, I remember driving out to uh, out to California from New York and it was wow. uh, and I remember traveling through, you know, all those all those border states. And it was just incredible. Um, I, I loved it. I mean, pe- people don't realize just what a, what a beautiful country we have here. Mm-hmm. Granted, you know, Australia and Southeast Asia and, and Africa have their charms, but you know I think our I think the U.S. has some amazing. I mean, we have the biggest diversity of environments I think of, of any country in the world. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it is. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. So, what are you currently doing now? Um, you know, right now, 2021. Of course, that this pandemic has. <laughs> It's, it's, you know, oh, kind yeah. of, I mean, you yeah. know, it's been, you know, it's been really wild about it. So yeah, the pandemic, my, my 2020, it, it started off really weird and it ended, it was very weird throughout the whole thing. And then, you know, it kind of ended where we are right now. I mean, I think this is a, you know, especially for guys like us that we're, we're people, people as much as we are animal people. Mm. So it, it, I think not having that human contact it that has been the biggest adjustment but if i can go back to the beginning of of 2020 so 2020 i spent the first couple months in somalia of all places um and and everyone was wearing masks there um they it's actually just part of their natural oh yeah i was gonna say like oh yeah (laughs) Yeah, oh yeah that makes sense part of their muslim culture the muslim culture so i haven't you know so it's been a while for me to even see a girl's lower half of her face it's been an entire year um but it's so i spent my first time uh first couple months working in somalia and then when i came back it this was when the COVID stuff happened and and Corbin, the crazy thing about it is, I remember I was over there, and you know, there were, I couldn't really understand anything that was on television, so I'd be watching a lot of Netflix. And I remember watching a pandemic series that came out. Oh. It was on not on Netflix. It came out maybe a little bit in like twenty or in like twenty nineteen or something. So I'm watching this, and I thought to myself, I go, man, that would really suck if this actually happened. And then a month later. It oh my gosh. <laughs> so I just thought it was weird. So, so again, so I was, you know, over, over in Africa, I come back to the U S um, you know, in, in February and, um, you know, and I actually, to be perfectly honest, I, I didn't feel well. I kind of like, I crashed at my parents' house for, for a couple of weeks. I wasn't, I don't know if it was COVID or not, but mm-hmm. it was just kind of like, I was a little run down and then, and then right around maybe a couple of le- weeks later, that's kind of when everything stopped, you know, everything mm. really you know, and then, you know, but it was interesting. So, you know, like yourself, I mean, you pivot, I mean, but you've had this podcast for a while. So did you find ramping up the podcast? What kind of help you keep saying a little bit from not going out in the public as much? Um, not the podcast. I started a virtual late night show. So every Thursday, Animal Nights Live. Yeah, yeah. So I gotta, I'm going to start watching this. I'm going to, it'll be like Conan. I'm going to start watching that. And <laughs> well, then, you gotta, then I want you to book me on that. Next yeah, time, you know when everything lifts up. So yeah, no, it was it was great. I literally filmed it in my kitchen, and yeah. we did forty something weeks straight. We had a, a camel, golden eagle, wallaby, rattlesnake, blah blah. I mean, we had so much stuff. So every week for forty something yeah. weeks, I went live on Thursday nights, and that I mean, my creativity just skyrocketed as uh, social media. I was, I finally was like, okay, I'm going to master this. And yeah. I, you know, like TikTok, you know, really helped me, you know, did videos and that, and my creativity, I, I think it helped my creativity. So I, so I would you, get that. 
So you you took this time off to like really to you know to just enhance your brand, well, like just really get it going. Dude, I had to, and honestly, it was one of those things where I could have sat in a corner and cried because oh, I'm not going to go back to New York anymore and do these shows, or I could figure out, you know what, maybe I'm not doing this, but how about I try to do this? And right, that's what I, I yeah had to pivot, and we you know virtual animal show, so that's how I so you know support the animals now, and so that's you know yeah that's kind of what I had to do. I feel like yeah. that's what people had to do. So it's been interesting. Yeah, it, it totally, you know what? This whole this whole thing is definitely like I I've seen the best come. I, I mean, I've seen like all my friends in the zoo industry. I've seen mm. you know even friends in the non industry, it's non zoo industry, and television that really have really pivoted pretty well to just kind of make it through. Yeah. And um, you know, and I think there is that light at the end of the tunnel now. I mean, I, I think I think. February 1st, you know, which is only a couple of days ago, I think, yeah. you know, it was like the first, like, okay, now it's starting to, starting to feel normal again. How, how about you? Are you start, are you seeing a little light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah. Yeah. I coming think into so. the new year. Yeah. I think so. I think things have still changed though. You know, I don't know. That, that's just how I feel. I don't know when I'm going to be back. I, I, you know, like in studio, to be honest, I mean, do you know when, I mean, I mean, maybe, no. you, maybe you have an I have idea no, that I don't. I have no idea. I, yeah, I don't either. I mean, I think we're all still, you know, still going to be in this pause. I, but I do think, you know, once we get the, um, yeah, once the virus is, is more under control and we get this back, I, I feel maybe another year or so. And I think things will be pretty close to back to normal. You know, I miss New York, man. Yeah. Well, that's a, you know what, and and that's funny that you brought up New York because I did get an opportunity to, to travel to New York about oh. about six months ago. Um, I had to go handle some stuff for for my aunt. My aunt's down in Costa Rica, and I had to go to New York to because there's no crossing of the borders. So yeah. I had to go to the consulate, and and it was it was odd. Uh, really? New York is not what you know. I'd almost recommend not going to New York until things are better because it was it was it was weird it was almost like that what was that denzel washington movie oh um where he was like where it was like just he was the last person around and oh. He had the dog oh oh um, um oh my gosh oh I am legend? Uh, is no I am legend? no 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 will 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 smith will smith okay yes say? denzel washington will yes smith. Okay. okay yes will smith okay yeah. so that will is it i am legend yes i am legend okay. so that's what it reminded me so what? i was in times square this is like six months ago i was in times square and there was nobody around really it was so strange yeah new york was so strange restaurants were closed were the lights like, still on were the, the lights that's what made it eerie lights and everything really? was still on but nothing nothing was going on no so it was no it no was, food no pizza by the slice no nothing nothing unbelievable isn't that crazy yeah it was it was really really strange um and you know a few places were open but because of the social distancing measures like it was like you know there was only a few people allowed in these like little outdoor, you know, tents. I mean, I don't know what the case is in Idaho, but but New York, which I've spent the majority, you know, here in upstate New York, the, practically yeah. the entire pandemic. Um, yeah, it's been it's been quite a shutdown. Um, wow. Now it's just starting to finally come back a little bit. So people, and I know, and I think California was even worse. So, oh yeah. yeah, people here are especially out in the country. Like my town is less than a thousand, so people yeah. here. I mean, there's some people I don't think who even. Well, I don't want to say they don't believe the virus is real, but there's some people here who are very relaxed about it out here yeah, and, in the country. You know, and, I, and I haven't ventured like you know I've, I've been very I've been very conscious about just you know keeping myself how keeping my my family and mm. and everyone kind of and my friends. So so I haven't 
you know, I haven't made that trip to Florida, you know, because other oh, parts yeah. of the country are, are practically back to open. But yeah, so so back to New York, I, w- I would say, you know, you want to wait till it till it's back because it, it was pretty eerie this during this entire thing. And it'd be great, you know, hopefully when it's, when that life comes back oh. to comes back to the city, because you're right. Like, that's what I love about New York City, too. It's just like the energy. It's just yes. a constant energy there. There was no energy like it really. Was, it was, yeah, it was, it was weird. You know what terrified me is, and I think during when they had riots, this was early on last year, and I remember mm-hmm. seeing they had armed guards outside of the Today Show studio and Rockefeller Center, and that's what yeah. blew my mind. And I just was yeah. like, this happy place where I used always used to go, and it's like this, you know, we're tourists, and you have the, you have the Rockefeller Christmas tree, and then now it's just like, it, it really just kind of scared me. I was like, oh my God, this is like, it is a different New York. Yeah, it totally is. I mean, but you know what? I think, you know, we had to get through the pandemic. Everything's fine. Yep. And I think that, um, you know, once businesses start coming back and people start coming back, it'll mm-hmm. it'll come back. But yeah, so so I think this this pause was kind of an interesting an interesting thing. It's like everyone got like you said, I mean, it's like mm-hmm. your creative juices are just going. You're like you're putting this like this is so profound of us having to kind of deal with all this stuff. So it's been it's been it's been I guess I should say I think a little bit like a little bit of anxiousness, but also I think a little bit of of relaxation in a way, too, because yeah. it's like, you know, everyone's in the same boat. So it's like you kind of just focus on what you're going to do. And and so I just been kind of planning. So to answer your question, like, what am I doing right now? I think mm-hmm. I'm doing what everyone else is doing. You know, everyone's yeah. just kind of doing their thing. But I have very, very bright aspirations for you know six months to a year from now that now i almost have like a renewed kind of perspective about you know now i now i gotta really pursue some stuff i've always wanted to do so that's awesome can you give us a yeah. taste like what is that that was so broad oh, it's, it's definitely, <laughs> well, it's, but it's, it's definitely it's definitely some, it's gonna be something like that's never been done before and it's really? gonna be just a real positive thing uh okay. you know i believe for the zoo community and for just uh you know for people's appreciation of uh of conservation as well so that's that's kind of that's a little tidbit i'm going to give to you once once i get more solid don't worry i'll, I'll come back on it and, and okay. give you more give you more details but yeah but yeah what are your but, oh, go ahead sorry oh but i'm just saying yeah so that's why that's why i have, have so I've got a lot of optimism for for the next few months coming up very nice what are your thoughts on social media uh, in what respect? Like, are you so, okay. So if I'm being completely honest, it took yeah. me a while to jump on the social media train because yeah. I'm like, I feel like I'm like, I was super old fashioned, like I with the television and, you know, doing, you know, live stuff. And like, it took me a while to jump on that, you know, that TikTok, Instagram, social media oh, train sure. of just changing and like how, you know, you know what I mean? I, I, I was just, you know, now, now I love it, but it took me a while to adjust to that, to that is like the new form of media. I agree. I agree. It, it took me, yeah, because much like yours. And what's funny is like, you know, I'm, I'm probably a whole generation older than you and yeah. you know, close to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've always been a traditionalist though. Like I've always been <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I've always liked things older. I think that's like, like when I was like, you know, like I'm, when I'm working on animal shows, I'm thinking about like Wild Kingdom and stuff like that. Wow. But then, um, but yeah, no, but to answer your question, l- let me see. I, I, it could be easily figured out, Cor. I mean, I think, what do I have, 1,900 uh, Instagram followers? Very good. I might have 4,000 4, Facebook followers. Good for you. <laughs> That's good for you, man. Good for you. I'm serious. I, no, but I'm, 
But I'm just saying, like, but but like, I think where you're going with this is that you're right. Like, it is a, it's an entirely different animal. Um, it's an entirely different animal. It is something where you know, pe- I mean, I have friends that don't do much more than kind of refinish their furniture in their apartment, and they have like two million yes! followers. Yes. I have friends that like literally <laughs> put on their makeup in the morning and they have five million followers. Ah. You know, it's like you know that's yes. that's that's what we're talking about here. Yeah, social media is a total game changer with all of this stuff. And then in respect with with the direction I think with with animal stuff yeah. is that I think there's some great stuff out there. But I think I what you were going at is that there's also some kind of like bad stuff out there too. Yeah. And I think social media when it comes to like information and I think like animals and things like that. Um, you know, I think that, you know, there, there, there could be some negatives to that as well. Yeah. It just blows my mind because we are judged now on, you know, how many Instagram followers you have, you know what I mean? That's what just, yeah. and it's weird because then you, you do, you see some people online who have one viral video. Cause I mean, that's honestly what it, what it takes is one viral yeah. video and it can just right. skyrocket. And, it's just, yeah, it's just, it, that's kind of how our society, you know, measures one's success, I feel like now in this age. Sure. And, and, and of course, and, and I, I do want to point out, television is still super important. Television's not going away. Like I'm, you know, but it's just, it's just interesting how we gauge now, you know, whether someone's an expert or not by like how many Instagram followers they have. And, and, and I think that that's going to drive television too, because yeah. I think, you know, moving forward, I think television producers are no longer going to be looking at, VHS tapes and DVDs and that, or even, or even just YouTube, they're going to be looking at the next talent is going to be based because the market research is already done. If this person's getting 50 million hits, you know, that, that, that could be translated into advertising dollars. Um, But here's the other thing too, is the, um, the thing with, with social media is I, I see it almost kind of like in, in reference to even like COVID-19 the pandemic where it, it kind of leveled the playing field. I mean, it's like mm. social media, like, you know, whereas like our pandemic kind of like everyone became in the same boat and we all became mm. isolated and we all had to like kind of change. And yeah, I would say for the most part, um, and everyone was just kind of affected by it. I think social media kind of when it comes to like mass media, it really does level the playing field because, anyone anywhere in the world can become exponentially famous Famous. or or infamous like that yes it's amazing but i mean to to a certain degree i you know i think it's i mean i think there's some excitement to it but i also feel that yeah i just feel that i just need to get out like like you said i love that you took the the pandemic to kind of hone your social media skills because i've been trying to kick myself and everyone around me is always like why aren't you doing more social media stuff? But I just need to get on that bandwagon. I don't I, know why. <laughs> I jumped on it and I'm so happy I did. Um, yeah. And it's it's a way for me to connect with my followers. And yep. I just, I and I actually have fun with it. And some of the most basic things that I do that I thought are the most boring things, you know, like let's say cleaning an alligator pool. I yeah. just, I, I, dude, I, I, I put that on TikTok the other day. Just, I mean, like the most boring, like if you watch this, you'd be like, wow, Corbin, I'm shocked you put this. But I'm literally, I'm cleaning an alligator pool. It's 30 seconds of me. Like, this is how we clean our alligator pool. Right. I look, I, when I posted over, like over 700,000 views and I'm just like, 
what like that's it's so, awesome that's I, incredible i know but it's yeah. it's crazy though social media because you never know but some basic things that maybe you do in your life with animals some people just yeah. be blown away so i think there's a lot of opportunity you know i i think i think you i think you and i need to discuss this more because i need some tips on how to do <laughs> well i still i'm growing <laughs> my brain be a whole other, that could be a whole other podcast of, of of teaching me how to use social media <laughs> you know who we need to talk to our friend tiffany hunt for a keeper she has over two point something million on tiktok yeah. she's massive yeah. Yeah, I need to, I need, I need to, I need to get, I need to go pay Tiffany a visit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Very cool. Well, I know we're almost to an hour, uh, really quick, some fire questions or some lightning round. What is your favorite animal to work with? My favorite animal, I would say by far are are cheetahs. Cheetahs are my favorite. Really? Uh, And, and, and reason being is that I, I, you know, obviously, and I'm not particularly like, I've never really, you know, as most people do, I never really had a particular affinity for like big cats. Like I've always liked more like smaller, unconventional, weird animals, Uh but, but cheetahs, you know, uh, they're, they're just, I love working with them because, you know, they're just, they're just, just built perfectly. They're, they're their design is incredible in nature and just, I just love their personalities and, and as wild animal go as wild animals go. And, and, you know, you can, you can speak to this with working with so many different animals is that, you know, I just really do. I just love their demeanors. I love their, uh, everything about them. And, uh, and also to the fact that, you know, I just feel what I love talking about them just because they are really mm. one of our most, you know, almost, in, you know, almost extinct animals on our planet for being so iconic in, in everyone's minds. Yeah. So would that be your favorite one? What about your favorite animal to work with on television? Cause I've brought cheetahs on TV and honestly they, they weren't my favorite because <laughs> they were well, just, cause they were just so <laughs> timid. And I mean, but by the way, and the cheetah was fine and she was with her companion puppy, but I just found sure. it, there were a lot more protocols and I just was like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah this would not be my favorite. Oh, so you, so you mean on television? Yeah, yeah, sure. Too. Yeah. Oh, I mean, okay, yeah. On television. You TV know, I, would, I would say, you know, really some of my favorite, um, you know, I would say some of my, let's see, what's my favorite animal? I can tell you my least favorites. My yes, least, least favorites least, are, least. Are, are bears. Like bears, really? I just do not trust bears. Um, what else? I think uh, any kind of like talking animal, like a parrot or something that never really, really works out. Do you, do you have talking parrots or anything? <laughs> no, but I brought them on the Today Show and I've had like Kathy Lee like, okay, like, and of course the parrot's supposed to say something, but it never does. Like, yeah. <laughs> that almost makes it better. Like, it's like, at least if you have a kookaburra or something, you're going to oh, get kookaburra. Yeah, are, are great oh those those are fun are, too i love those um yeah. you know i you know i think i don't know i'm trying to think i, I would probably say one of my favorite animals I, I love these little three-banded armadillos those things are really oh, cool did you ever are, see those guys that oh, roll up into a ball and their their head yeah. and their tails are shaped like triangles yeah um those are really neat i remember one time i was helping jack with a letterman segment and we had a couple of those and they uh they actually started mating right on dave letterman's <laughs> death <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, so I think probably in my mind that was always like, wow, that's a pretty awesome animal to 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 do that in front of oh, you know in front of millions of people. Oh uh, my god! You know, but you know, I but I love them all. I love like I lo- you know like I said like I love the big big camels and all that all stuff and giraffes and yeah. all those guys. But you know, but I also love like you know all the like the weird little animals that people. I like animals that people look at it and they don't even know what it is. Oh. You know, like. Like a binturong or like a fossa or like a, yeah. you know, a tenric or, you oh, know, yeah. all these weird animals. So, yeah. Yeah. What is the weirdest animal you've ever brought on TV? I want to see if I want to see if I got you beat on this. So go ahead. I just want to okay. see the weirdest, the weirdest animal. 
Curious animal, I would say. Let's see. Uh, I brought I brought an Ardwolf one time on the Tonight Show. That was pretty cool. Oh, really? Yeah, it was. Yeah, he was. Oh, he was pretty awesome. Wow. Arthur. Um, Arthur, I love the name. What else? Yeah, what else? You know, probably. I'm trying to think. That would probably be the most bizarre animal. I think most people wouldn't wouldn't automatically recognize. Uh, also, like I brought in Solorises and things like oh, that. Oh, that's that cool. Are, that are kind of weird. Um, how about you? What are what are what, what would you say? What would you say the weirdest animal you you brought on? I think you have me be. Well, I don't know. I, I'm I'm a little. Um, I'm more jealous of your animal you brought on, but I think mine's more weird. I did a a segment for the Today Show called Wow Me Week, where they just wanted things to wow. So like everything I pitched the producers, mm-hmm. they were like, no, no, no. I mean, it was like they wanted wow, yeah. like knock your right. socks off, wow. So I hooked up with the Adventure Aquarium in Camden, New Jersey, and they brought on or they allowed me to borrow a deep sea isopod, which looks like, yes, which looks like a giant roly poly. It's this giant crustacean that's like they can they've been around for 500 million years. Is it like that thing on my wall? Uh, no, that uh, so that is a Nautilus. So, so, so almost, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, almost. That was the fo- yeah, <laughs> yeah, almost. It, it was this living fossil, and it had these jaws coming out like alien. I remember I sent a, I sent a picture to my producer. They're like, oh yeah, book this. So that was yeah. like the weirdest thing, and and it That's was so cool. easy to work with because all you did was just like pick it up, and you know, just like ah, oh, its legs were yeah, everywhere. Just- I gotta look this thing up. This sounds pretty awesome, dude. It is. I don't think anyone. I don't think it's ever been on TV. A deep sea yeah. isopod. I mean, they're a deep sea isopod. That's cool. Did it have to be like chilled? Was yes, like yes. Water? That's the okay. thing. So it had to be yeah. chilled, and it had to come in a cooler with oxygen tanks. I remember the the um, aquarium staff were walking by Kathy Lee, and she just like looked over and was like, "What yeah. in the world's going?" You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, kind of rolled her eyes. <laughs> like, what am I doing? Like, are you kidding me? Like, this is what I have to do today. And I remember because yeah, and it was so noisy with that loud oxygen machine you know going into the studio and but yes yeah yeah, yeah it, oh it had its God, special care yeah i remember the only thing i have that that maybe it, there's nothing that'll top that but something i think that will come close is i remember one time on rachel ray i did a segment with an electric eel oh that's and we cool. had an electric eel in a tank and i remember i touched it and oh. and then i touched her and oh. she got shot it was no. incredible it was awesome yeah. It really? Was, <laughs> yeah. was so she I freaked a, I was out? Like, I was like the conduit between an electric eel. Like it wasn't like bad. It, the eel was only maybe about like this big. So it was a little wow. guy. But yeah, it was it was enough to like send a shock through me and, and zap her right wow. from, a, from an eel in a tank. So yeah, it was that, pretty cool. And then the Today Show, I'm trying to think. We did a giraffe one time. That was what? crazy. A giraffe? We did a full. Oh, and, How? And when you, when well, you were wait. saying about those wowie weeks, like they wanted like wow. Yeah. I Back in like... I don't know when it was, like maybe maybe in the mid 2000s, uh-huh. um, the Today Show wanted to do they wanted to turn Rockefeller Center into like the planet. So they wanted they wow. built a or whatever the plaza. They took the plaza and they made a savanna, they, wow. an African savanna. They made a uh, South American rainforest and then they made a an uh, Arctic environment in the, in so, the plaza. In the plaza, oh so, so we had so we had a and an Australian outback. So there was four different environments going on. So we had a giraffe, uh, a full-grown giraffe, twenty-foot giraffe in Rockefeller Plaza. We had zebras. We had we had all that stuff. The Australian thing. We had full-grown emus and kangaroos. And then the craziest thing is we did for the Arctic. How would you even approach that? Like when they come to you, 
Corbin, they say, Corbin, can you do an Arctic yes, animal segment? I, I have How it. would you approach that? How I would, would you do Arctic that? fox, snowy owl. Mm-hmm. Hold on, hold on. I'm give. Hold on. Oh, okay. Did you do a polar bear, dude? I would. Did you? No, no. Okay, I was okay. We did. We did a. We did an Arctic wolf, which there oh, was a well, wolf hello. center That's that good. at the time they had yep. an Arctic wolf. Yep. So we uh, we did do a snow owl. So okay. dead on with that. But what was interesting? But we did find a falconer that was from upstate New York. He actually brought a an Arctic jeer falcon. A jeer falcon. I was gonna jeer falcon. And we yes. flew the jeer falcon like. Through, and he went all the way up to almost the top of of like GE building and then what? dove back down. It was nuts. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. So I've been exactly in those places where it's just like, you. It's oftentimes you just gotta bring it. Like it's like, what are you gonna do? <laughs> oh yeah, dude. I've I've been in situations where I had my segment completely planned out. Like it was like it was in the books. This was for the Today Show. And my producer calls me, and Andrew goes, "Hey, hey. So our executive producer just went to Arizona. She saw a Gila monster. So can we just add one of those to the segment?" And I was like, yes. "Sure." And I was like, okay, how am I going to do this? Like, you know, first of all, venomous animals in New York. Okay. So in my first mind, I'm like, okay, so permits. Okay. That's going to be definitely a hassle. Who has a Gila monster? But you go on this wild goose chase and I, of course, provided a Gila monster because she saw one on vacation and that's what she wanted. And anyway, but I totally know what you mean because it's like, you you have to bring it. Yeah. I mean, what, you know. Well, what's funny about it too is I think the average person watching an animal segment, they don't real for that, for that five to eight minutes. Of, of oh, that's a long that, one. <laughs> and that's a long one. Yeah, some of these could be like four minutes or whatever. Yeah, for that, that those talk show appearances are, are they become so challenging because people don't realize that, you know, it's not like there's a van full of animals that shows up. Like, I think people think that there's a warehouse of animals that can just, like a library that the animals, no, it's like you need to find the species, yep. the theme, the yep. the the right specimen that uh-huh. is acclimated and trained for this, the right facility that could mm-hmm. even be able to, to do it. There's like all these different layers of putting this together. And then, and then on top of it, then there's all the interstate permits, all the federal permits, then the New York city permits, which yeah. the New York city permits tend to be the most challenging. Oh sometimes yeah. Because so it's like, yeah. So to see these productions and when people see, you know, you on the today show or me on something, it's like, I think they, I, I just I, I know people just take it for granted just how or or Jack or I mean Jack's yes. been doing this for how, for forty years of yeah. doing this. There are a lot. There's teams of people that make this stuff happen. Yeah, and and by the way, and I'm not, and and, and I, I know you're not complaining. I'm not complaining. I love that thrill of like that yeah. chase of putting the segments together. So I I, yeah. I actually it kind of drives me. Do yeah. you want to guess the most difficult animal I ever tried to get in New York? Like this took months to get permits. The most difficult animal. It's oh, you would you would never guess it. Uh, a bat. Oh, that's a good one. Bats actually aren't as bad. Okay. Okay. So there's an animal that was worse to get. Worse. Okay. worse. Was it was it a domestic animal or a wild animal? Uh, kind of farm animal, but it, it would probably be classified as exotic. Okay. Uh, classified as an exotic. Wasn't it a deer of some? Yes, kind? a white fallow deer. The a white fallow, fallow deer. deer. The most yeah. pain in the rear had to get a special tag tattoo. Like I mean, it just yeah. full grown. It took months. 
to get this. And, yeah, but you did it though. I I I, yeah, I did, did it. it. And we walked the deer at Rockefeller Center, and I remember they were like, "Oh, I guess we didn't realize you just to be walking the deer." I mean, because there's not really a crate you could put a deer in. I mean, literally, we just right. walked it yeah. into the building. Well, and then and then here's the thing: <laughs> like, there's all the logistical challenges, but then you had to find it because how often do you come across a white fallow deer <laughs> that could be walked? This... And then how how <laughs> often do you? All right, let me let me put it this way: how often do you find a fallow deer? Yep. Then you find or a fallow deer that can be walked. Then you find yep. a white fallow deer that it's can be white. Yep. Then then you find then you find a um, you know then you find you know someone that's willing to transport yep. it there and and you know be around and, and uh-huh. because that's the other thing too is like you know it's even even your your handlers you have to find the best of the best. Oh yeah, because they need to know what they're doing as much as we need to know what we're so, doing. And you that, know what I mean? And that's another thing I feel like yeah. people don't realize when you work with these other facilities, you're dealing with a whole slew of keepers or animal handlers and who all have their own personalities, who are all yeah. experts in their own right. Yeah. So yeah. I've found sometimes it's more difficult working with some of the handlers than it is the actual animals. I mean, not you know what I mean? Like it's just. Yeah. You're dealing with a bunch of personalities and, yeah. um, you know, well, and you know, yeah. you know what it comes down to Corbin though? Like you, we work, I think we work in the three most notoriously difficult businesses. We work with people or we work with television, we yeah. work with animals and we work with children. And sometimes oh God, yeah. the adults are the children, you know they what I mean? Are. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And not yeah. saying like, and I'm not saying like, the, how do I explain it? Like I'm like working around people's schedules. Does that make sense? Like animal handlers oh, or animal oh, schedules are like, Oh, I yep. can't, you know? And so that's what I mean. Difficult. Not that they're like right. mean to work with, Not but difficult. people, you're working with people with difficult lives, difficult with, lives with animals. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. You're yeah. absolutely right. You're Dude, absolutely right. It's that crazy. is insane. How is, do you think, I can't believe you brought a, a full grown giraffe. How were the logistics that blows my mind in New York? You know, at the time it was, it was, you know, it was a lot of planning. It was sure. a lot of, yeah, it was a lot of, um, just everything. And you know, what's funny is I think in, and that's, what's interesting. Like when you work with some productions where it's like, if it's something they really, really, really want to do, mm-hmm. then like, it's almost like there's like endless staff and uh-huh. endless finances and and you know what i mean that's uh-huh. what's so interesting that's what makes television so exciting is that like sometimes if like there's enough people that want to make something happen it happens so uh-huh. you know wow. especially with like nbc you know or something like that so, wow. so i feel but, like but you're right it was a lot of planning we had a lot of precaution a lot of meetings a lot of you know because obviously i mean in you, you know you among you know everyone else is like the you know really our main goal is to you know is to do the segment is to provide the information and, and make it fun and educational and, and everything. But also it's like during the whole time, it's like literally making sure that animal is at its top, uh-huh. like comfortability. It's tough because it's like, you know, and I think what people don't realize too, is that all the care and work that goes into making those, like making it insured. And the, in the fact that like the staffs of a lot of these shows are so used to this now that you know for doing this for so many years that that really when animals come in it is like like everything shuts down Mm -hmm. and everything focuses on on you know the best the best care for the animals and the best um you know environment to have them yeah because you're right i mean you could have brad pitt walk in there and and like brad pitt walks in and some people get excited, but sometimes you have a bunny go in there or a, or a, <laughs> or a, a baby kinkajou or something. And like people go crazy, you know, producers go nuts so, or in public goes nuts. So. Yeah, I would say. And also for people, cause there are people who are anti this, anti zoos, anti bringing animals on TV. And I always tell yeah. people, 
there's no way that we'd want to bring on an animal that's stressed or that's not comfortable. Yeah. I mean, every, every time you usually see an animal segment, the animal's either eating or it's like the most comfortable, like, or, or it's usually right. taken over the studio. It just like does its right. own thing. And that's how you, that's how you right. run them really. Well, and, and people don't realize too, is that the animals that we choose to do this aren't animals that were a ever living in the wild, a yes. even living in a zoo exhibit. These were animals that yes. if they weren't doing this, they'd be at a school. If they weren't doing this, they would yeah. be, you know, mm-hmm. like being walked, being handled at the zoo. They would be, you know, that that's the other thing too, is that, you know, all the, and, and I guess that's what also has always been, and not really the challenge, but always the, what do you call it? Always been the, the, that one extra step is like, yeah, you could find a Gila monster, but you got to find, a Gila monster that you can take on TV. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you, know, you, know, a, you, might, you know, most people couldn't find a Gila monster, let alone find a Gila monster that you could safely have on TV and then find one that also belongs to someone that could come to New York in, within a week's notice or so. So, Dude, you know what yeah. I mean? Like I crazy. searched high and low for that Gila monster. I, yeah. <laughs> I found it and I signed my life away. I said, listen, I promise I'll hold it. If I die, I won't sue you. And right, right. they agreed to it. So... Anyway, yeah, that's go ahead. Oh yeah, no, no, I was just saying what what a fun. This is thank you again for having me on your podcast. Yes, fun chat. Thank you so much, Jared. I appreciate it. Where can people find you if they want to get a hold of you or follow your animal adventures? You know, you you could always you could always uh, probably let let's start putting pushing people towards my social media, I guess. Okay, so, yes. so I'm, I'm Jared, I'm Jared Miller on Instagram. You can find me on official Jared Miller on, on Facebook. Uh, that's, uh, that's my, my public page. Um, also too, you know, feel free to, uh, you know, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at, I'm not, I'm, I need to get better at like posting stuff. I, yeah. I think what, I think what it is, is I'm coming from this kind of lifestyle is I'm just like busy doing stuff yep. to constantly be recording it. But now I, but now I think I need to switch. I think I Dude, need to start like just filming just everything. Simple stuff. Like I should have yeah. posted a story like, "Hey, I'm having coffee with Jared." Cheer, you know what I yeah. mean? Do you like coffee? Yes or no? And then people, no, right. seriously, like just simple yeah. things, man. Okay, right. I have I have one last question to ask sure. you. One last one. Out of all the shows you've done, out of all the talent you've worked with, who's been your favorite? It's going to be a hard uh, one. This is going to be a real hard one. You know that there's been you know a lot of. I mean, can I can I have a couple of favorites? Does there have to be like a yeah. can I can I have a, a justification? I think for, so because I feel like a couple of our producer friends might listen to this and be a little yeah, like, yeah, little exactly. mad. So I would okay. say, well, I, I like you know I mean because your producer friends are my producer friends and you know they they've done as much for me as they they've done for you sure. and, and you know I'm glad that we still have those good relationships with them. But what I'm saying is you know I think from like from like an entertaining thing like I, I think I think Conan is the funniest like mm. when on a talk show i always i always thought jane lena was the nicest yeah you know and, and the most personable mm. you know out of the out of the television shows believe it or not i really love martha stewart of all people like i thought martha stewart stewart was super cool no i love rachel ray i think rachel ray's a lot of fun uh you know um you know, and even back in the day with, with, with you know, today's show, like all like Al Roker and all those guys. Uh-huh. I mean, all these guys are like really, you know, and probably not a real popular thing to say, but Matt Lauer was always one of my favorites. <laughs> you know, he was such a nice guy. Uh, and then, um, you know, it's just there's yeah, there's a lot of them. but, you know, a lot of people are shocked by the Martha Stewart. But I really, really that was one of my favorite things I've ever done was was working with Martha Stewart. Yeah, no way. Was, yeah. Oh, I would say the opposite. 
No, no way. Did oh. you have an experience with her? Oh yeah, it wasn't great. Oh, you did. Really? <laughs> I was oh, on. Well, and, 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 like, and, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and by the way, it was funny because I had to rewatch that segment because I wanted to repurpose content for social media. And I was on her show 13 years ago, and I had to rewatch it. I, it was so painful for me because I'm so young, and there's so many things I'm like, oh, just you know, being you know, critiques. But I, was yeah, it, was it at her? Was it at her house in Connecticut? Did is that where you filmed it? Do you remember? No, you, you went to her house. House? That's where she used to have her studio. It was at her house. What? You went to her yeah. house? Oh, was it a nice house? I'm sure it was. It was a nice. Well, I didn't go into her house. I wasn't allowed in her house. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, were you like, hey, can I use the? Yeah, can I use the bathroom? barn behind the house. Oh. Uh, but her house was very nice. Yeah. Oh. And then, her, and then her mom was there. Her mom was really nice. Yeah. Really? Maybe it's because yeah. she was in her environment. This was in studio in New York for the Martha Stewart show. Oh, see, I've never, I've never experienced, I've never experienced her show in the studio. So that yeah. was that a different experience? Yeah, it was. I yeah. think, I think, because sometimes I come from, for instance, Leno, such a nice guy, would come back, he would meet you backstage, he would just yeah. in his denim always, like before the show. Yeah. It just was yeah. this his Canadian tuxedo. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. He was just so comfortable, and I remember I was so used to that. So being thrown into one New York City, that was that was my first TV show in New York, and that was. So different from Burbank. Like I was just blown away at how, I mean, first of all, New York's so tiny. There's nowhere to park. It's it's not what you think it is. Um, So it was just different because Jay is so nice and friendly and you talk to him after and before and that was not the case. Yeah. 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 Oh, with Martha Stewart. Yeah. No. She might have been a little more. <laughs> no. <laughs> maybe she had a bad day. Maybe I, I got, no, actually maybe I just got her on a good day. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. So. <laughs> and it's funny because I just don't think she cared for me. And I don't, I don't know. Anyway, long story short, it was funny because then I've actually – anyway, I've, I've ran into her numerous times on the Today Show. And it's so funny. We always just like walk past each other. And of course, yeah. I of course we don't I don't say anything. She doesn't say anything. I'm sure she has no idea who I am. But yeah. um, it was it's just she, funny. She seems like she's had a lot going on probably since – like <laughs> oh, yeah. going on in her personal life. You know what? I think this may have been – Right after she got out of prison. So, you know, I, yeah. I, I, you know what? I take, maybe she was stressed. I get it. That could be. <laughs> you never know. I know. It's funny. Oh, oh my, my God. God. You know who's a great guy too? Jimmy Fallon's such a nice guy. Have you ever, have you ever met him before? Never met Jimmy. I've yeah. done, yeah. How about Seth Meyers? You go on Seth Meyers. Seth What's is he like? really nice, dude. And yeah, it's, he seems it. Dude, he's so nice. And we have yeah. ran into each other so many times. Like, it's really weird how we run into each other. Like, I've been in a park in New York and I've like. Yeah seeing Seth Myers, it's like that's really it's just strange millions of people and he'll just be at Washington Square Park and okay yeah. and then I told you we did watch what happens live last year and yeah, we were yeah. so excited to find out who the celebrity guest was and they were like surprise it's Seth Myers and it's like oh wow oh oh hey you know hey again yeah. so Seth is super cool he's different though um he likes to have everything be like like so like on camera so we don't do like um we don't do rehearsals with Seth like you would with Conan. He tries yeah. to keep that organic, which I mean it turns out uh, you know good. It's just you know right, how right. some people prefer. He doesn't want to see the animals or anything. Nothing. Well, I just remember too like oh. with Conan with the, with the late night with Conan, like like he was actually involved like Conan actually even picked the animals. Did he really? Like, yeah, isn't that funny? Like no he way. literally I mean, that's how hands-on Conan was in in those days. What? Uh, yeah, because so that was like literally it was like literally like you you dealt. I mean, obviously there was a producer, but like it was really just dealing when it came to like what the show, what that segment was going to look like. Like Conan called the shots on the whole thing. 
That's different because I remember Jack telling me that Dave Letterbit, like he didn't even want to really know the animals. He wanted it to all be like a right. spontaneous and, you know, thing. And I had been there many, many, many times really? in those situations and the, or with, with Jack and, and at Letterman and Letterman, um, it was absolutely like Letterman basically stayed upstairs. Like he had his office on the second floor uh-huh. and pretty much they just shuffled him in. No one saw him. And, and that was maybe just part of his method because he literally went from his office to his desk and then back to his office, and I think that's just his, was his method for how he hosted. Was it a weird? So was, was it there weird was no though? Inter- was it was, was it a weird environment? No, it was a fun. You know, the the crew over at Letterman, they were really really great, fun people. The studio was freezing. It was the old Ed Sullivan Theater. Sure. Uh, I mean, you're talking about what's neat about the Ed Sullivan Theater is that it was. I mean, you'd be in some of these green rooms and like the same furniture and the same things. And you'd be sitting at a green room and I'd be like, I don't know, like putting Jess's on a King vulture or something on the, on the table that like the Beatles had their feet up on. Wow. Like, you know what I mean? That's how yeah. historic places. So yeah, Ed Sullivan theater was super cool. Yeah. It was weird talking to Jack about his Letterman experience because it's completely different from, from our Leno experience. They, they oh, ran the shows completely different. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, Jack, I seem to remember Jack had a very, very close relationship with the Good Morning America team. Yes. Like he did. his yep. like those were all like I mean, they were all friends. I knew and he's and he says lifelong friendships like with like Maury Povich. And, uh, and oh, yeah. And, you know, and Jack was just like, and you know, and, and the late Larry King, even like Larry oh, yeah. King before he passed. I remember, mm-hmm. um, you know, but Jack, that that's the kind of guy jack is i mean you when you, you i'm sure you got that when you were talking on the podcast i mean he is one of the kindest nicest genuine people like you'll ever meet and like everyone anyone he meets becomes his friend yeah it, it's really amazing yeah. yeah was he ever okay okay just one last question was he i was so fascinated was he did he ever feel intimidated that you were like pursuing tv too or was he completely mm-hmm. cool about it like that's, that's a cool. really that's Super so cool. cool about that's just so crazy Really? Super, yeah, so awesome. no, really, really good. Oh, it, even in fact, like he would actually, I remember like I had to do some photos and he loaned me like his classic, I had his outfit on one time. Like, wow. <laughs> it was great. No, Jack was super, super, super cool. Like uh, he is, I mean, he, you know, to, to work with, to like, you mm. know, um, to be, I mean, in every, every, every aspect of it. And, you know, I mean, I lived in his house. It was, I mean, he was cool. Like he just basically, Dude. You know, when I when I went to Columbus, like I was like, he goes, well, you're going to stay at my house. So I basically worked at the zoo and, and stayed at his house. I mean, he was gone all the time. I mean, yeah. he, was, he was always in Antarctica and, you know, <laughs> but I'd be, I'd, be, I'd be out there taking care of his, you know, I'd watch his dogs and his cats so cool. and stay at his house for, you know, and, and uh, no, I mean, just really, yeah. I mean, Jack's very, very good guy. And, and especially at that point in my life, I mean, he was very much of a father figure when I was, you know, in my early 20s and stuff. And um, yeah, really good guy. That's I mean, so you don't, awesome. and every piece of advice he's ever given me was 100% was 100% um, real, you know, what I mean, real. Yeah. So I mean, it's like where he was dead on. He was exactly right. Ah, that's so, so cool. What a great yeah. man. Your story is so fascinating. Jared, please come back on the show. Awesome. Corbin, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's so great talking to you and, and hanging yes. out. This bit. Yeah, this is fun. There's not, not not too many people I can talk to about this stuff. Like you, you, you know, you and I think have a lot of, lot of similar, you know, similar stories and experiences and you know it's a blast yeah absolutely i really appreciate it so once again and i'll put the your your social media um all your handles in in the show notes so people can follow you and but yeah please come back on i wish you the best of luck i'm so excited for uh what you have in store for us 
Sounds great. And, you know, looking forward to looking forward to meeting you, uh, you know, once uh, once things get back to normal. This is going to be great. Awesome. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, Corbin. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.